Hi, my name is Archie Manuel Pillay and this is my podcast. Please feel free to check out my website rg.org where you can find out about beginners and intermediate online workshops. You can also join the mailing list or follow me on Twitter at The Lino or on Insta at RG Manuel Pillay. Thanks for taking the time and enjoy the pickle jar. You're listening to RG's Poetry Pickle Jar. What's up, world? It's RG Manuel Pile, host of RG's Poetry Pickle Jar, the only place where we pickle the poems you love. And each week, we kidnap a world-dominating poet to come and share a poem they truly love in the hope that you too will become a lover of that poem. Today's guest recently dropped her third poetry collection, Deluge, on Flipped Eye, and it was a PBS winter recommendation. She performs regularly. She's also a member of Malika's Kitchen and has appeared in all the big magazines and won a string of competitions for her honest, magical and deeply moving poems. Let's make some canned clapping for Charlotte Ansel. How are you doing, Charlotte? I'm good, thank you. What a lovely introduction. Wow. <laughs> thank How you. are you keeping? Oh, like everybody, probably just a little bit. Um, well, I don't know about everybody. I, I'm hugely busy. I know you are. But um, other than that, OK. Yeah, thanks. Um, and now that the season's changing, is it more reading for you in spring than winter or less usually? Yeah, I haven't been doing much in terms of performances recently. Um, and I haven't I haven't been trying to get performances. I haven't been asked to do any. I don't know why that is particularly, but yeah, I've been sort of focusing on on other things. I've got this big project with um getting out an anthology of uh, young people, adopted young people's writing. So I've been really focused on that for the last few months and then hopefully might get back to some performance you're the first person to bring sylvia plath into the pickle jar we've had like seamus heaney about three weeks ago uh, yeah. with deborah alma brought that in um i am not like a person who has many sylvia plath books i think i've got one actually um are you a fan of sylvia plath well, do you know, that's an interesting question because I thought that I was and then actually I realised that I've only got one Sylvia Plath book and that I'm not really familiar with loads of her poems. I think I might revisit. But um, I chose this one because it was a poem that I loved when I was at school. I think it was one of the first poems that I loved. And I, I said to you, didn't I, that I had real trouble choosing, like I think a lot of your guests have. You suddenly think, yeah. what's my favourite? And I was looking at so much sort of contemporary stuff and I just couldn't couldn't sort of choose one. And I thought, well, let me just go back to the beginning then and, and choose this. Do you want to read the poem for us? Then we'll chat about it after. Sure, yeah. So this is Stillborn by Sylvia Plath. These poems do not live. It's a sad diagnosis. They grew their toes and fingers well enough. Their little foreheads bulged with concentration. If they missed out on walking about like people, it wasn't for any lack of mother love. Oh, I cannot understand what happened to them. They are proper in shape and number and every part. They sit so nicely in the pickling fluid. They smile and smile and smile and smile at me, and still the lungs won't fill, and the heart won't start. 
They are not pigs. They are not even fish, though they have a piggy and a fishy air. It would be better if they were alive, and that's what they were. But they are dead, and their mother near dead with distraction. And they stupidly stare and do not speak of her. Thank you, Charlotte, for sharing it. Um, and to Sylvia Plath, who's written this poem about a poem that is lighthearted, but also quite sad. It was more mm. sad when you read it out loud than when I read it in my head. Um, and it's got playfulness, uh, but it's kind of, what's the word? Like a sort of somber, almost verging on completely morbid playfulness. Uh, what is it about the poem that you loved? Yeah, well, it's it's interesting, isn't it, that it's a poem about a poem, which we would think of as quite a, a cliche now, you know, poem about poetry. But I think perhaps back then in 19, well, it was written between 1960 and 61, I think. So you know, maybe not so much then. But um, yeah, I think there is a difficulty with it because it is playful and it, it, it does have that sort of there's something light about it in a way, but in another way, I think it's really grotesque and it's dealing with a you know very difficult subject. I mean, she's using um, stillbirth as an extended metaphor. And I wonder if that then takes away from the experience of, of, of stillbirth by, you know, sort of likening it to, to writing a poem. But I mean, I can talk a bit more about it. But I think the thing that I really like about it initially is that this is Sylvia Plath saying how difficult it is to write a poem and how she's got all these drafts that just don't come alive. And it, it just gives me so much comfort to know that a poet like that could feel like that, you know, that, that I think we probably all have that experience, but <laughs> to know that the greats felt like it too, just is a, an immense source of comfort for me. So aside yeah. from it, it's a technical poem, it, 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 techn the technicalities of the poem, I just um, really like it for that reason. I think you've hit on something important, though, what you were saying about um, the drama of uh, comparing to a stillbirth. Um, I remember there's an article about Sylvia Plath talking about the Holocaust, and she is using a comparison of the Holocaust to her uh, mental health state. Do you remember this? I don't. I'm not. I'm not aware of that article, but there's on. an essay. Yeah. And then in that time, a lot of people um, were upset and annoyed by that. And this is doing that in many mm. ways. Yeah. And that's what makes it sort of uncomfortable, but also hugely powerful. Yeah. I mean, I, I was thinking about it because it, it does feel uncomfortable in a way. You know, if I had been had the experience of a, a stillbirth, I might have a very different response to this poem or I might feel that it this poem sort of diminishes that because it is. I mean, I can't think of many things that would be worse. It's such, such an awful, awful experience. Um, and I thought, is she making light of that? But I thought that actually, I think for her, maybe it. It, this poem speaks of her anguish, really, that she can't birth a poem, that it, it, for her, perhaps it felt as bad as um, as, a, as a miscarriage or, or a stillbirth. So it, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I mean, I think there's so much good poetry about 
the experience of motherhood or about the experience of losing a baby. I mean, there's some devastating poems. There's lots of poems that I really love, but this is not it. You know, this is this is something really quite different. And the aim of the poem is to be provocative, and she's doing that really well. If we look at closer look to, especially the verse three, they are not pigs. They are not even fish, though they have a piggy and a fishy air. One is like got the playfulness of child speaking, and to, and the juxtaposition of that playfulness with talking about something that's past, but also the playfulness of language, and we're still talking about a poem that has passed, creates so much morbid fun in that third uh, stanza, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you might have a different take on it to me. I suppose I wasn't seeing so much the fun aspects of it, but it it does feel like it's a there's a there's a bit of a kind of tension between something sombre and, and something maybe more playful. But I, I think those images are just so startling. They like there's something where it, it feels so exact and precise, the imagery that she uses. I mean, I, I can't imagine seeing a fetus or a baby in in a in a pickling jar or um what it would look like but it feels just right you know piggy and fishy feels like exactly the right way to describe that but for me it also feels such an apt metaphor for a poem where it's got all the right ingredients you know it's maybe it's got the toes it's growing the toes and fingers it seems like it should work and yet you just can't make it shine or you can't sort of make it sing and and um that's why, yeah, this this poem seems to just capture that so well for me. Yeah, for sure. It's the first poem to mention the pickling fluid uh, in the pickle jar. The irony is not past me. And um, oh gosh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, yeah. I just suddenly thought that I was like, oh, this is actually a really fitted poem for that. <laughs> Um, it's great to use a vehicle like this, though, because whenever she mentions anything, we are plucking our own perspective on those things and making our own connections to writing a poem and the metaphor, which I really love. If we look closely at the opening of the poem, these poems do not live. It's a sand diagnosis. They grew their toes and fingers well enough their little foreheads bulged with concentration. It's kind of um, creating quite a, what's the word? Um, there's a lot of love between the speaker and the poem being, being lost, which I really think comes through beautifully. So it, it, yeah, it does feel like she's so intimately involved in her poems. You know, she feels like a mother to them. You know, this huge love that she has. But I think there's, an, there's another aspect to it as well that comes more in the second stanza when she's saying they smile and smile and smile it's like she's being tormented by them as well you know as, as if they're sort of mocking her almost I, I don't I don't know I sort of feel like it's not just a baby she's talking about she's talking about a baby that's maybe a bit distorted in a way or something you know something quite horrible about it that they're, they're sort of refusing to to come to life yeah I never um I see in that now, yes. Um, I think the explanation, exclamation marks on first and third line of the second stanza. Oh, I cannot explain what happened to them. Um, mm. And then that last line of the second stanza, and still the lungs won't fill and the heart won't start. 
the it's mm. got the rhyme with heart won't start, which is ironic since we're talking about it not being able to come to be. The whole poem sits in a place of irony, really. I mean, this clearly is one of the poems that did come to life because it's it's published and and it's still being talked about sixty years later. So so I think I really like that that sort of irony. But um, but yeah, the the last stanza. It I think. There's something about the ending of it that I really like the the idea of her saying, you know, they're dead. She can't. She just can't do anything with them. She can't make them live. Um, and and the distraction and difficulty that feels for her. But then how she's saying they stupidly stare and do not speak of her. And if a poem can't speak, it's nothing, is it? If it can't speak to people, then it's it's not a poem. Um, so, I, yeah, I really like that ending. Why do you think uh, Sylvia Plath is so becomes such an obsession for so many people that's a big question isn't it yeah um, i mean i i remember I think... go, going to arvon up north and you go to sylvia path's grave because it's next to arvon in hebden bridge and mm. there's still people with like notes posted on her grave saying stuff like i can't live without uh, thinking of you and you were everything to me and stuff like that it's deep and and it's emotion um, blown up as big as it can be, uh, which mm. seems a great reflection of what she does with poems. Mm. Yeah, she's, it's all out there with her poetry, isn't it? It's so sort of honest and um, really kind of pouring her emotion onto the page so much of the time. But I, I don't know. I think she does have a sort of iconic status which might be to do with her life and and her suicide I mean that it's sort of like um you know when when pop stars die isn't it in that way it sort of gives them it renders them iconic in that way but I don't know for me her poetry just feels so um original and fresh like even though it's it's from such a long time ago it, it still feels like nobody can write like that or that that the I, I don't know if it's to do with her mental health struggles that her imagery has a very particular quality to it. But um, I, yeah, I just think that the, there's something about the way she writes that I just don't think anybody has ever come close to. But um, yeah, it's an interesting question. She does seem to really get into people's uh, minds or hearts in a way that almost sort of in a, an obsessive way, I think you're saying that does seem quite odd perhaps. Thanks so much, Charlotte, for bringing this poem in and introducing Sylvia Plath to listeners that probably haven't heard it before, heard of her before. Well, thank you much for having me on the on the pickle jar. Stillborn by Sylvia Plath. These poems do not live. It's a sad diagnosis. They grew their toes and fingers well enough. Their little foreheads bulged with concentration. If they missed out on walking about like people, it wasn't for any lack of mother love. Oh, I cannot explain what happened to them. They are proper in shape and number and every part. They sit so nicely in the pickling fluid. They smile and smile and smile at me. And still the lungs won't fill and the heart won't start. They are not pigs. They are not even fish. Though they have a piggy and a fishy air. It would be better if they were alive and that's what they were. But they are dead. 
and their mother near dead with distraction, and they stupidly stare and do not speak of her. <laughs>